Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team this is hit well in a center field that one's carrying out at center it's out of here oh johnny with a pinch hit home run at the plate is mike trout the pitch on its way it's blasted out to dead center field out of here ball gets away he's gonna break for the plate ball game is over the Angels with a walk-off win here in the bottom of the ninth inning. This is the Angels Recap Podcast, a review of the past week in Angels baseball. Here's your host, Trent Rush. Oh, yes, it is good to be back in Southern California. Hello, everybody. I am Trent Rush. Glad you're with us for another edition of Halo's Hot Stove, the winter meetings in the books. And I would say that it was a more eventful winter meetings than we realize and i'm going to discuss or we're going to discuss a lot about what happened in las vegas over the last several days look when it boils down to it no the angels did not make many moves yes the angels do have holes that need to be filled i would say the angels probably feel that way with at least 27 maybe 28 other clubs across major league baseball and really this is just the beginning of the offseason it's very different than what it used to be in where the winter meetings were kind of the be-all end-all trades had to happen that's where it all kind of ends and there's this unofficial deadline that you got to get it done before the rule five draft it's just not like that anymore and vegas was a unique experience it was a interesting uh it was interesting to watch things develop and it was cool to see how conversations began it was my first trip to the winter meetings ever uh i had a great time and enjoyed getting to know a lot of guys even better here in the angels organization Uh, i learned a lot about the organization and the direction of this club and what goals are for this club and what's realistic and what you know, is a championship window. Even if it wasn't spelled out directly, there are tea leaves they can kind of point to where the Angels want to go. I actually thought Alden Gonzalez of ESPN put a, a great article out about rebuilding on the fly and how that was successful at the Yankees and led to a championship in 2009. And I, it was interesting to hear how Billy Epler was a part of that and how some of the similar tactics 
are being used today with this Angels team. Understanding that the Houston Astros are in this division and, and Houston is a dominant team with a dominant pitching staff and a great lineup. Understanding you're competing with the Red Sox, the Yankees for a championship, but also understanding that the AL Central is down, especially that Cleveland is selling off many pieces. And even in the American League West, uh, Texas isn't that great. They're not supposed to be unless they do something drastic here in the next few weeks. Oakland's going to be tough, but we're seeing Seattle sell off a lot of parts. For the Angels to get in the playoffs, for me, remains a serious possibility, even with the current roster. And I know the Angels want to improve upon this current roster. I got a lot of faith that they are going to improve upon this current roster when the team is healthy and when you have the right pieces in place and when you have young guys that are in the farm system that are these great, young, talented, rising stars. Give them time to get to the major league level when they're ready. I mean, there is there is a big championship window that is building uh, with this Angels organization. I would say that making sure Mike Trout is a part of the future uh, is a significant piece to this puzzle that Billy Epler and his staff are trying to put together. Uh, as of right now, we haven't heard the latest on that. I brought it up to Billy as I told him when he was here in studio that I would do that. And uh, I I don't really have any news to report on on the Mike Trout front. But uh, obviously, uh, that's such a key piece. But we learned a lot about Shohei Otani. We learned a lot about Albert Pujols. We learned a lot about several young prospects and where they project uh, in this organization. I thought Brad Osmus was really candid in his conversation with the media on Wednesday. I guess that was just yesterday. Really enjoyed getting a chance to talk with uh, Brad Osmus. And even if we didn't see a whole lot happen on the front of free agents and on the front of trades, that there is still a lot of progress that was made, even if there aren't necessarily tangible results at this point. Because I think a lot of that is coming. I'll put it like this. So I recently got engaged. I did uh, this past June. And the, the best way I can compare what the winter meetings are about, it's kind of like when you go to the jewelry store. And to me, it kind of felt like it was, it was you go and, you know, maybe, you know, for me, it was picking out the ring or you're trying to pick out the piece of jewelry that you're like and, and you're putting it together. And now it comes time, okay, you found what you want, but you got to make sure you cover the right price and you have a price in your mind for what that, you know, piece of jewelry is worth. And there are other pieces of jewelry that are pretty good, too, that if the number has to be adjusted and maybe there's better value for something else, maybe that changes a little bit on what you ultimately end up doing. Well, the winter meetings are a lot like that because you might have a number and and then you kind of stall for a second. You look around. It's like, okay, all right, I'm good with that piece, but let me look at some other pieces, too. And, and if the store owner and wants to really sell you that piece... Well, then maybe the price does adjust a little bit. Maybe they'll come down just uh, a, a you know a few bucks, and you figure out what that you know dollar is, and maybe you get a little closer to what you're trying to do in that negotiation. But that process, like buying a car, like in theory, why why can you go to the mall and go pick up a T-shirt and be out of there in five minutes? Whereas when you go buy a car, it can take three four hours. Well, it's because there's the negotiation process and everything that goes into that. The winter meetings are now that same way. 
And I, I thought it was interesting, Dave Dombrowski of the Red Sox talking about there needs to be a deadline uh, at the winter meetings, that things have to get done by noon on Thursday of, of winter meetings week. I thought that was an interesting idea. I'm not so sure how much I'm in favor of that. I think it's interesting um, that Major League Baseball you know, maybe even would consider something like that because it would make the winter meetings a lot more exciting. But I am learning that the winter meetings are truly where the conversations begin. And to have an artificial deadline to say, okay, you're coming over the winter meetings, things have to be done now, I think is a really big misconception. And it's something I talked about with Billy Upor when he had him in studio last week, and, and I thought his response to that was interesting. And he likes the winter meetings, and he has always gotten something done at the winter meetings, like the reports that this uh, Justin Board deal is getting done for a reported one year, two and a half million dollars. The club has not confirmed, but I do think that when you bring in a guy like that, that that's an interesting player. That you know, assuming the reports are correct of one year, two and a half million dollars, that's half less than half of what he would have been paid in arbitration. That's a really good value player. And that's an important thing to consider, especially when you're talking about a guy in Albert Pools that you don't know what his health situation is right now. And Shohei Otani and the Angels choosing to be very careful with Shohei Otani and wanting to make sure you're not risking him as a pitcher in 2020 and keeping all of that in perspective for the big picture of Shohei Otani and the Angels not having a hitting plan as of yet for what Otani is going to be able to do in 2019. And they're not going to have that until probably January, late January, when there's some answers about what Shohei Otani, the hitter, is going to be this first year. But going back to the idea of potentially carrying two first base DH types and a DH, while Billy Epler wouldn't confirm the report at the time and wouldn't say a definitive answer, he did address the theory as to what it means to a roster when you have basically three guys for two positions that don't have a lot of flexibility to really be anywhere else. And what he said was, it can work, it's possible, but what it also means is that it's going to put a lot more pressure on your other position players, especially in the infield to be well-versed and well-rounded and able to play a lot of different positions. Like, a, look at a guy like Luis Rangifo, who the Angels are very high on, somebody that has a good chance to potentially get to the major league level this year, and the Angels could be counting on, especially as a leadoff guy down the road. I mean, he could be that. He plays multiple positions. Zach Gozar plays multiple positions. That's huge. You have to have that. David Fletcher plays multiple positions. When you look at the outfield, whoever is going to be the fourth outfielder for the Angels has to be able to play multiple positions. I mean, if you're going to carry two first basemen, if you're going to carry Bohr, Albert, and Otani, you're going to have 13 position players and 12 pitchers. That's what you have to do. It means starters got to go longer in games on the pitching side. It means your relievers have to be more effective. And it also means all your other position players have to be able to play other spots. So that's going to be something interesting to keep an eye on this year. And when I was in Vegas, I asked Billy Epler how he would evaluate the winter meetings have gone so far. They have uh, allowed us to further identify what what we think we can do and what can be a reality and not a reality. I mean, there's a lot of players to look through in free agency. And then when you add in the non-tenders and then you add in, you know, trade candidates, for, you know, or, you know, you might have a, another 20 or 30 40 names that kind of like sift through and so 
<clears throat> that takes time. You know, you go through every one of those names to go like, does this fit? Does it not fit? If it fits, at what price does it fit? So that's, uh, you know, I know that it might not yield an action, which mm-hmm. is what a lot of people want to see is action. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> but it's productive from our standpoint to know what is reality or is not reality. So it, it's, it is productive here. You're listening to Halo's Hot Stuff on Angels Radio AM830 KLAA. Again, my name is Trent Rush. I was asked this question on Twitter earlier today. This one from Rambo at Halo's 7717. How would you grade the Angels this offseason to improve the team so far? Rambo, the only answer I would give you if you want me to give a letter grade, I'd say an I. Incomplete. There's a lot of offseason left. And there is a lot more that's going to happen with this team. Considering what the starting pitching market is now as far as free agency goes, I think that the Angels are going to have a lot less options than they had before. When Patrick Corbin goes to the Nationals, NJA Happ goes to the Yankees, Nathan Evaldi stays with the Red Sox, Charlie Morton goes to Tampa, Dallas Keuchel is really the only big name left. And it'll be interesting to see what ends up happening with Dallas Keuchel. I think the Angels are working on being creative as to finding options, maybe on the trade market, And that could be an area where talks, according to Jeff Fletcher, the Orange County Register earlier today, talks in the trade market were really picking up with the Angels. It's really hard to tell at this point what direction the Angels are going to go with. Now, I know the Angels have to improve their pitching. The Angels know that they have to improve their pitching. There are multiple ways to improve your pitching, both in the bullpen and as far as starters go. I actually like where the Angels' bullpen's at, and I'll explain why coming up a little bit later on in the show. Another thing you can do is get a catcher. A catcher with great defensive prowess, a catcher that can make your starting pitching better, make your entire pitching staff better. Maybe the Angels go that direction. Catcher is an obvious need for this club as well. You want to find a catcher that has experience, is defensively minded, and still is able to produce offensively. Whatever is when you're taking all that into consideration, what is the most overall value to the club is what the Angels are going to do. But Epler has said, all things equal. He prefers a player with experience as long as that means that they can stay healthy. And all things considered, he would prefer a catcher. If it was everything equal, he would prefer a catcher that was more defensively minded than offensive minded because the catcher is responsible for all the other positions on the field. When you have a manager that used to be a catcher, I would imagine that Brad Osmus' thoughts coincide with that. And speaking of Brad Osmus, I thought he made some really interesting comments yesterday on Albert Pujols and where Albert is at right now. Let's do this. Let's play the clip from Brad Osmus yesterday and then respond to it. How about that? Okay, here's, the, here's Brad Osmus during his media availability yesterday talking about Albert Pujols. My first hope is that Albert's okay. You know, he's, he's got the knee, had the knee surgery and... I've spoken to him a couple of times. He says he feels great, um, but we're still going to have to take it slowly in spring training. Um, and then it's just going to be a matter of how he feels and how, and how he's performing. You know, he's Albert's one of the greatest, in my mind, he's one of the top five best hitters ever in the game of baseball. And I, I saw him up close and personal when I was in Houston and they were in the National Central and Central and the Cardinals as well. Um, this guy is a phenomenal talent. But going forward, it's just going to be his health and and performance. It's a performance-based game. I thought those were really telling comments for several reasons, mostly about the performance part. Obviously, Albert's health, when Albert is healthy, he's still able to produce at a high level. But he's going into his age 39 season. Let me read off some stats for you. In 2015, Albert Pujols was an all-star. 
Albert in 2015, 40 home runs, 95 RBI. He only hit 244, but 40 homers, 95 driven in. You're good with that, right? That, 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 that's a good year. 2016, 31 home runs, 119 driven in. Hit 268 that year. 36, H36 season. 2016 is a good year for Albert Pools. Maybe not by the standards that he had in St. Louis, but that's a very productive year. 2017. Only hits 241, but still able to drive in 101 runs. Had 23 homers, so that's down. So that's three straight years where the home run totals were down, but still drove in over 100. And even though his batting average dropped by 27 points, still drove in over 100. There is value to that. Only walked 37 times that year. So that was the lowest of his career for sure. Until 2018. Now, he only played in 117 games in 2018, his fewest since 2013. But this past year, Albert, 19 home runs, 64 driven in, only hits 245. So batting average a tick up, on base percentage a tick up, but the RBI numbers and the home run numbers significantly down. I'm not interested in harping on Albert Pujols because he is a legendary player, one of the great players in the history of this game, as Brad Ausmus said. But you have to be productive. And if Albert is healthy, he can be productive. But is Albert going to be healthy? That's a major question. Remember, last year, he was healthy in the offseason, had a great spring training, looked really good. I was blown away by how Albert looked in the offseason and in spring training last year because he had dropped a ton of weight, came in in incredible shape. It's going to be interesting now that he's spending all this time recovering. He has not yet been cleared to swing a bat. He's doing some light lower body activity. He's full go upper body, but lower body only light work at this point. So it's going to be interesting to see how Albert's able to come into camp and how long it's going to take for him to get to a level where he's healthy enough to produce. You have to produce. I don't care what your background is and how great of a player you are or have been in your career. And Albert Pujols is an iconic player that deserves immense respect. And if anybody gets the benefit of the doubt, it's Albert. But if he isn't healthy enough to produce, and that's something the Angels have to monitor, then you got to make sure that you have a contingency plan in place. And if you don't feel that Matt Theis is quite ready to be a big leaguer, and I think he's going to have a chance to compete for a first-base job, you got to go get a guy like Justin Bohr, who you get at low cost. Like That's a really good pickup in my mind because that gives you depth and insurance. That's, that's really nice to have, especially at the $2.5 million that he reportedly is signing for. Again, the club has not confirmed. There was also major news about one dude in particular. So without further ado, let's do a little throwback to Angels Recap and bring back one of our segments. It's showtime! Buckle up! It's showtime! It's showtime. It's showtime. Let's bring it in. It's showtime, right? It's showtime! It's showtime! Don't say it. Please, don't say it. No, I have to say it. Showtime. It's showtime. Showtime, everybody. Showtime. Hi, my name is Shohei Otani. Ah, yes, our Showtime segment. Here is Brad Osmus talking about the Angels' two-way star. He, he's doing, you know, he's, he's doing things that no one has done in a long time. Uh, I, I, you know, ironically, I think because of what he's doing, I think you're going to see more two-way, two-way players going forward. I think it's going to be... Um, I don't want to call it a fad. I, I just think you're going to, I think athletes, athletes, baseball players are going to say, hey, wait a second, why can't I do both? Um, so in that, in that sense, I think he's going to have a big impact going forward uh, with the youth in baseball. But he's just a tremendous talent. I, I, 
I remember watching him take batting practice the first day in uh, in Tempe when I was there because I was there in spring training for about four weeks, but I was there the opening the opening ten days and. Immediately in batting practice, the one thing that stood out is how the ball came off his bat. And the only way I can describe it is it's very similar to Miguel Cabrera. These guys have tremendous power, and even more notable, they have tremendous power to the opposite field. Uh, You you just don't see guys like that. It's kind of uncharted territory in the sense that he's coming back from Tommy John, and we really want to protect that elbow so he can pitch in 2020 and then beyond. And he's such a dominant pitcher, you want to make sure you preserve that so we're, we're going to probably rely on the medical team a little more than and, and be a little bit more cautious uh obviously we want him in, we want him back because we want his bat in the lineup but the, the priority is to make sure when he's back we're not risking him as a pitcher i'm not sure if that surgery that injury repair is needs time off after you know dh'ing for three days so we're gonna we're, i'm gonna lean on the the, the professionals my takeaway from that right there is that the Angels are going to be really cautious with Shohei Otani. And there is nothing wrong with that. Again, you got to evaluate what the window is for a championship and what this team can be. In 2019, to try to catch the Astros, the Red Sox, the Yankees, it's going to be really hard to do, especially without having that true ace right now. The Angels really need Shohei Otani to be an ace in 2020. We know he has the stuff. We know Shohei can do that. Man, a healthy Shohei Otani. Oh, my gosh. Being a two-way star. We just got a glimpse of it this past season. What Shohei can be on the pitcher's mound I think is even more special than what he can do in the batter's box. And if Shohei gets enough at-bats this year, he can be a 50-homer guy. It's unbelievable to think about what Shohei Otani can be. I still stand by the fact that I believe Shohei is a top-five hitter in the American League. Maybe in all of baseball. I think the Angels have two of the top five hitters in all of baseball. I really do. I think Otani is that kind of special. And I think we can also understand and appreciate and respect the idea that maybe Shohei isn't going to have 600 at-bats because you got to be able to preserve him as a pitcher. I thought it was interesting to hear Brad Osmus also talk about how, a little bit later on at the press conference, about how Shohei has improved dramatically hitting against left-handers. And I think that, and, and Brad Osmond said that he felt that Shohei Otani has done enough to prove that he should be in the lineup against lefties. And I would agree with that. I think Albert's going to have to DH sometimes. And you, have, you, you will have days where Shohei against the lefty, Albert might DH and Shohei won't. Shohei will get a natural day rest. I think that that is an important part of his recovery. And the Angels, again, are still figuring out the blueprint on what to do here with Shohei Otani. No one's ever had to deal with this before. It's a great problem to have when you have somebody this special, but you got to manicure it just right. And the Angels are going to be cautious, and like I said, rightfully so. Let's talk about some of Otani's splits for a second, because I think this is really important. And you heard Brad Osmus talk about how later in the season, or at least if anybody that watched the press conference heard that, you know, Brad said that Shohei got better later in the season hitting against lefties. Let me read you some numbers. Okay, so from the beginning of the season to the end of August... Shohei Otani against lefties, 71 plate appearances, okay? Batted 177, no home runs, 2 RBI, his on-base percentage, 267, and his strikeout rate was 35%. 35% of his plate appearances from the start of the season to the end of August, 35% K rate, okay? In the month of September, as Shohei improved against hitting lefties, 
hits 297 with two home runs, 11 driven in, and 39 plate appearances. Now, he struck out 10 times, which still kind of is a lot, but that's nothing compared to what he was doing against lefties. Cut his strikeout percentage by over 9%. That is dramatic improvement to see a guy go from what he did the first 80% of the season to what he did in the final month. Batting average 120 points higher. On base percentage, 66 points higher. Yeah, 333 on base percentage against lefties in the month of September. Dramatic improvement for Shohei Otani that final month. I think that goes unnoticed. I mean, let's not make a mistake about it. Otani really struggled against lefties earlier in the year. That's something he had to work on, but I think it also speaks volumes as to who Shohei Otani is as a player to make that leap against lefties. If Otani can do what he did in September against lefties the rest of his career, oh my gosh, put him in the Hall of Fame right now. I mean, when you couple that with what he does against righties and if he's able to continue that progress. It was incredible what Shohei did this first season. Shohei, by the end of the season, was a complete hitter. And cutting down the strikeout rate, the power numbers are what they are. Otani's got incredible power. He's going to hit a home run at some point. That's going to turn everyone's heads in the country, in the world. There's going to be a day Otani hits a home run that's like 480 feet in a game and people are going to go nuts. But to improve your on-base percentage against lefties by close to 70%, batting average well over 100 points, and to cut down that strikeout rate by close to 10%, and I get that 39 plate appearances is not the biggest sample in the world, but it tells me enough that Shohei is a guy that can now hit against lefties. And Brad Osmus sees that. The Angels see that. Trust me, the Angels aren't overlooking these numbers. We might not be talking a ton about them until right now, but the Angels are, are not missing that kind of improvement. That's a bet you got to have in the lineup a lot if the Angels are going to contend for a playoff spot. I believe that they can. I believe that the Angels, even with the current roster, even considering the Angels still need to help out this pitching staff, even what it is right now at this very moment, I think the Angels can contend for a playoff spot. And against lefties, Albert's splits weren't that great this past year. I mean, remember, Albert Pujols used to just be dominant against lefties. And that really has been the case the last couple of years, especially this past season. This might be the biggest challenge that Brad Ausmus has in his first year as manager, is figuring out the at-bats for Albert Pujols, figuring out getting Shohei Otani as many at-bats as possible while still managing the injury situation and how he recovers to make sure that's not getting in the way because it is so apparent how important Shohei Otani is to be a frontline ace for this Angel staff. That's critical for this team. No matter who they sign, even if they sign Dallas Keuchel in the next couple of days, Otani is going to be the ace in 2020 when he comes back. His stuff is more electric and more special than, I will argue, almost anybody else in baseball. When he is right. And here's Brett Osmus talking about handling that balance with Otani and Albert Pujols. Yeah, I mean, there'll be a balance. You know, certainly, you know, we don't expect Otani to be ready when the season or when the team breaks. So there'll be some DH at bats early in the season, uh, more available to him. Um, And hopefully he gets off to a hot start. But for me, the bigger and the more delicate balance is how often can he go to first? most important thing based on the, on the health of his of his knees. By the way, you're listening to Halo's Hot Stuff on Angels Radio AM830. A second ago, we were talking about Shohei Otani and how electric his stuff is. You know who else says great stuff? Is Tyler Skaggs on this team. And you know what? So does Andrew Keeney. Now, I understand why Angel fans maybe feel some trepidation about those guys being your front of the rotation guys at this moment. They have the stuff. Even if we haven't seen it yet over an extended period of time, we know they have it in them. Like, think about this. Remember that June that Tyler Skaggs had? 
this year. I mean, his June this year was insane what he was able to do. Check out these numbers for a second. Tyler Skaggs the month of June. Five starts, goes 32 innings, only allows three earned runs, 27 hits, whip under 1-1, ERA 0.84, goes 3-1 and that month. Now his overall numbers on the year are not that great because on the season, his ERA shows that he's got an ERA over 4, 4.02. Now this is when Tyler was dealing with some injury. I mean, his last five starts were terrible. A 1-4 record, he's only able to go 15 in the third innings, gives up 24 earned runs in that same stretch. Batting average against 386, his ERA 14.09 in that five-game stretch. Remember, he got absolutely torched in that game at Tampa Bay where he gave up 10 runs, then goes on the 10-day DL, comes back at home against Oakland, only lasts three and a third again, gives up seven earned on 10 hits in that game, was better against Oakland the next time around, but only went three innings in his return, then in Houston only goes two and a third, gave up four, then finishes the season at home against the A's, three and a third, allows three earned runs. Not a very good finish to the season for Tyler Skaggs. Unfortunately for Tyler, kind of leaves a bad taste in your mouth for what was otherwise a really great year when you look at his first 19 starts of 2018. So we know that Tyler Skaggs has that in him. Brad Osmus knows that Tyler Skaggs has that in him, and that's why Brad said this at the winter meetings yesterday. I, I feel great about him. Um, you know, I thought Heaney really had a really good – I know Skaggs, he was hurt, but – I thought Heaney pitched really well this past season. Man, I don't see any reason. And, and I, I, I talked to Skaggsy a little about it. I told him, I'm going to put a little heat on I think he should be one of the best lefties in the league. Uh, I really, you know, I like, the stuff is, is there. And if he can stay healthy, he should be one of the best lefties in the league. And uh, I feel the same way about Heaney. I just haven't told him yet. So I'm not, I'll see him tomorrow. I'll hold off until Friday to print that or write it. Look, to all the fans out there right now that are saying, well, wait a minute, we know what Andrew Keeney and Tyler Skaggs are, but we still need more. Yes, I agree with you. I think the entire Angels front office agrees with you. Everybody here is trying to make that happen. Another thing, too, that I think gets lost is just because something hasn't happened doesn't mean that it's not being worked on or there are discussions that are in place about trying to make the big move. The Angels being aggressive about trying to find who that next arm is going to be. Believe me, the Angels are in talks with a lot of teams, a lot of agents, trying to make a lot of stuff happen. Billy Upward is a really creative guy, a really smart guy, but the Angels believe they have their price, and they know what a player is worth, and they don't want to go beyond that. You know what's interesting, too? The Yankees have basically followed that same model. I mean, that's what Brian Cashman has done. There used to be a day where the Yankees would say, you know what, forget it, we will spend whatever And it doesn't matter how we value him. Money is no object. Let's go out and get whoever player we want. The Yankees don't do that anymore. The Yankees got a really big budget. The Angels have a big budget. And Artie Moreno has never been afraid to spend money. Now, I would imagine the Angels are trying to make sure that they have money ready to go to give Mike Trout a massive contract. And he'll be the highest paid player in the history of baseball, uh, no matter who offers it to him, right? So the Angels got to be prepared for that. But there, there is still money to go around to acquire really good baseball players. They're going to help this team, especially in this pitching staff. So I see a lot of comments on Twitter, right? And you can send me some tweets, at Trent Rush Sports. But a lot of people saying, oh, the Angels are afraid to spend money. I, that is like so far from reality. That is so far from the truth. Think about how many different off-seasons the Angels have been the winners of the off-season. 
They were the winner of the Albert Pujols and C.J. Wilson offseason in 2011, going into 2012. When they brought in Josh Hamilton, they were the winners of that offseason. When they, I mean, obviously going way back, when they got Vlad Guerrero and Bartolo Colon, they were the winners of that offseason. Last year, they, they bring in Shohei Otani. The Angels were the winners of last offseason. The Angels have won a lot of offseasons. Now, it's finding a way to make sure that that can translate onto the field. Because, obviously, I don't need to tell you, not all of those have hit. Not everybody has been Vlad Guerrero. Not everyone has been Bartolo Colon. Not everybody has been Shohei Otani. And even Albert Pujols, even though he's he's never been what he was when he was in St. Louis, Albert Pujols has had several productive years with the Angels. Very productive years with the Angels. Artie Moreno is not afraid to go out and go get the best player out there and bring him to the Angels and spend a lot of money. But Billy Epler and this Angels front office have in place what players are worth, and they're not pushing beyond that, nor should they. There just isn't the deadline now to necessarily get it done at the winter meetings. That just It's been that way for a couple of years now, and this year it was particularly slow. By the way, I get back this morning here at the office. I get this email that says, hey, don't go outside because uh, there's stuff going on. So naturally, what do I do? I go outside to check out what's happening. And I see that our yard has become a driving range, part of the Stadium Link series. They did this down at Petco last year. Guys, you, you can you know get a tee time and, and bring your wedges and, and try to hit closest to the pin and, and do a little uh, do a little wedge game hitting from like the upper deck onto the field at Angel Stadium. It's really cool what's going on. It was fun checking that out a little bit earlier. I want to get some of your uh, tweets out there, questions people asking, uh, wanting to know about what went on at the winter meetings. Again, you can find me at Trent Rush Sports. Use the hashtag Halo's Hot Stove. Uh, let's get some tweets going here right now and some fans that are wanting to uh, write in. How about this one from Robert Davis at Davis 621 Ask are the Angels not spending money because of the Pujols contract, or are they not spending it right now because they anticipate a Trout extension? I would argue that neither one of those is necessarily true. I, again, I, I've said this before. Heck, I've said it on this show. I said it in the last segment. Artie Moreno has never been afraid to spend money. And, you know, if, if you want to look at, like, not to get too deep into the business of things, but, like, Look at Forbes and look for what the team was purchased for and look at what the team is worth now. Like, there is a lot of money that is spent on the Angels. The Angels have a high payroll and they will continue to have a high payroll because Artie Moreno really wants to win. That's what he wants more than anything else is to win. So, yeah, if that ends up being expensive, then then so be it. Uh, I don't think that either one of those things are necessarily holding this up. It more has to do with not overspending in terms of what you think the value of a player is and how the Angels value a particular player and not spending beyond what that number is. There is enough there's a science to this now. There are the stats and the numbers and the projections and what a player brings financially and what that guy is worth to the club. And if it's beyond that, the Angels have been disciplined about not extending that and reaching too far into a deal that could potentially be detrimental down the road. Cesar Avalos at Cesar NC writes in, Do you think Epler's plan to rebuild the farm and flex the financial money then affects Trout's chances of staying? Kind of sounds like a rebuild, and do you think Trout would want to stay for that? So, the word rebuild is an interesting one. In baseball right now, there are a lot of teams doing the teardown rebuilds. 
and you hear the phrase reload sometimes. And I think what the Angels are doing is really not either one of those. Alden Gonzalez, and I mentioned this early in the show, put out that story on ESPN.com about rebuilding on the fly and how that's what Billy Epler was a part of with Brian Cashman with the Yankees that ended up leading to a World Series. That's when you retool your roster and bring on new players and change things out while keeping your championship core, your core of Mike Trout and Shohei Otani and Andleton Simmons. And if you want to include Justin Upton in that, when Albert Pujols is healthy, he is a part of that. Your your championship core. And then changing out the pieces around those guys while knowing that you're trying to raise the level of your farm system to a level of being able to get those guys that you see as potential all-stars, getting them to the major league level, being able to be patient enough to give them time to become major league ready. I mean, Joe Adele is only 19 years old right now. You talk to a lot of people, a lot of people think this guy is going to be an all-star. But he's only 19 at this very moment. So you got to give him a little bit of time to get to that level. So when you're thinking about all of that and knowing that you have this young group that you want to get up and you want them to rise, but also be able to contend not just for the playoffs but for a championship as well. You set your window and you're not just your championship window, but like your parameters of a season. Like you can figure out based on, you know, run expectancy and you can make projections and you you kind of can calculate what you think your run differential is going to be. That when you put the right pieces in place, you can project like how how the Angels are going to be this year. And the Angels can get to a point, and I think that they're even at that point right now, that at the top end of their projections, they can be a playoff team. The Angels at the top end of their projections can be the second wild card. I really think that the, the, this current roster at this moment can get there. But you're also wanting to make sure that you're staying relevant in your quote-unquote rebuild on the fly, staying in the mix, staying and continuing to give this team a chance to get to October, because as you guys all know, once you get to October, anything can happen, and that's the beauty of baseball. While at the same time, improving your farm system, making other moves for guys that maybe are a year away from getting better. Maybe you make a trade for somebody that's in AAA right now that can get close. Billy Eppler's even said that he uses double a as part of the depth chart anything from from like rookie ball to high a is is major development area but in many cases epler has said and you know not to say that single uh double a and and triple a aren't but double a and triple a are an extension of the angels overall depth chart like that's how billy epler sees it and you're trying to get that group to a point where they can contribute at a high level the major leagues and you bring in somebody that maybe can play in AAA that is a year away from being really good or somebody that you can bring up halfway through the season and they're going to be able to contribute at the major league level. That's what it means to rebuild on the fly. You are you are building a team that is still of postseason quality with the goal of getting to the playoffs and when you get there you know anything can happen. But then like it's to do that for a few years or in the Angels' case, maybe shorter than that. When you have Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, I mean, it's like when you have Mike Trout and Shohei Otani every year, you could potentially win a championship. But getting it to where you're really able to make a run with the Astros and the Yankees and the Red Sox and these top teams in baseball, that most upper of echelons, the Angels really aren't that far away from that time-wise. 
you you might look at this current Angels roster right now and say, oh my gosh, I, how are we supposed to compete with Houston? The Astros are so good, and it feels like there's such this gap. But then when you consider the time frame on all this, and when you think about, well, this farm system has sure grown a lot, and there's really good players here that can help this team dramatically down the road, and maybe, you know, once Luis Rangifo gets like a half season under his belt. Maybe Griffin Canning ends up being a really important player. Jose Suarez can be a really important pitcher for this team. A lot of guys in the bullpen, like, I mean, the Angels went and got Patrick Sandoval, who's an exciting arm. A lot of really exciting guys in the farm system. I already talked about Joe Adele, and and then there's the Brandon Marshes and the Matt Theis and the Jemai Jones. Taylor Ward I'll put in that group. He, He only got just a taste of the major league level. So you put like all these prospects in and say, well, you know, the Angels kind of have something here. And this is a group that is getting better. And when you think about Mike Trout's age and Shohei Otani's age, the championship window is great. So like the word rebuild, I think is not a fair word to use. Like the idea that, you know, Alden talked about rebuild on the fly. I guess that's the best way to do it because you're still contending for the playoffs which means you're also contending for a championship in that regard. And that's what the Angels are right now. That's where they are at. But that's also with the idea in mind that you're wanting to be even better in the future. And that's the way the Angels are building. If anything, that should make make Mike Trout even more excited about wanting to be a part of this organization for long term. The Angels don't need to sell Mike Trout on the idea that the Angels are going to win the World Series in 2019. They don't need to sell Mike Trout on the idea even that they're going to win in 2020, which is a year that they absolutely could, especially when you got Shohei Otani back pitching and hitting. That you, You're selling Mike Trout on the fact that for the next decade beyond that, the Angels are going to be a powerhouse organization, and they can be. Look at the stars in this group. What, what can Jordan Adams be? Kevin Maiton is an interesting name. There's a lot of really interesting names in this group of young angels, that when you put you know Trout in his prime with Otani just coming into his prime, crazy to think how good things can be for a long time after this. It's not just about it's it's about winning today, but it's about winning today and tomorrow and the next decade and having that organizational health all the way through to where you're able to contend. For a very long time. Billy Epler is doing a lot of innovative things. He's doing a lot of bright things. And he's handling not just this offseason, but but the last few offseasons. And even making some in-season moves as well. To where that this team can be really good for many, many years to come. It's critical to the Angels. In fact, I will even say like the, the trade that I have heard a lot talked about. And I was talking with a lot of people across Major League Baseball, like really smart, high-level people across baseball. I was talking about this. The trade that sent Ian Kinsler to Boston and who the Angels got back in return and Williams Jerez, who's an exciting, you know, lefty arm that is a flamethrower that we haven't seen the best of yet. And Ty Buttry, who could potentially be a true closer. I know he's a bit of a late bloomer, but Ty Buttry could genuinely be a really, really dominant back end of the bullpen guy. You got Keenan Middleton coming back, and then you also think about, you know, Justin Anderson had flashes. Billy Epler has talked about how Cam Bedrosian has had moments. I know he's had some bad moments too, 
But he's had moments where you can understand that, okay, well, there might be something here. So you, you put all these pieces together, and I'm sure I'm forgetting some names, but you're also looking at, hey, maybe the bullpen wasn't necessarily as bad last year as you realized or as you thought because the bullpen wasn't that bad last year. The bullpen got put in really bad situations because the starters didn't go deeper. That's why starting pitching remains a priority. And I got somebody else asked me a question. I can't remember who right now, but could the Angels be contenders to use an opener next year? I don't think that's ideal, especially if you're going to carry Otani, Bohr, and Pujols at the same time because that's one less reliever now that you get to get or get to have in your bullpen. So you're going to have 13 position players, 12 pitchers. That makes it really hard to have an opener. But that might be a case that, you know, maybe maybe you can do that. Maybe you can stack starts. Like maybe you can take J.C. Ramirez with Felix Pena, for example, and, and try to go have them go back-to-back, and, and they each – you know, face the lineup once or twice. Maybe maybe that's a way you can do it. There are options. The Angels have options. And there is something I want to talk about briefly. We haven't been on the air uh, since this happened. And um, just got to want to shift gears for a second and remember uh, the man that was Luis Valbuena and what he meant uh, to this Angels family. Uh, last week was a really tough one. Learning about the passing of Luis with that horrible incident down in Venezuela. And we're keeping the family of Jose Castillo in our thoughts and prayers as well. Obviously, uh, Luis's family uh, also. And I'll just share this. His smile is something that I'm going to remember forever. He was the happiest, most fun-loving guy in many ways in this clubhouse. He was always fun. There's videos that are out there of him photobombing me when I'm doing like my rush hour BP reports on social media and him joining those. I mean, he was always one for a laugh. And there's one video he goes, why aren't you smiling so much? You should be smiling all the time. And it was one of those days where it was like bad angels news and I was sharing it. And he goes, it's baseball. Everyone should be happy. This is what's fun. And and that's what I'm going to remember about Luis Valbuena. Uh, One of the, you know, a smile that can light up any room. And uh, he meant a lot to this clubhouse, a lot to this team. It was disappointing when he was designated for assignment last August. And he wasn't performing to the level that he needed to at the major leagues, but I know he was working really hard on that and to go home to his home country of Venezuela to continue to improve and try to work back to getting to the major leagues. Luis Valbuena, also somebody that took a lot of pride in being a U.S. citizen. He got that uh, just in the past year. A lot of respect for him for doing that. That's not an easy thing to do, but he loved this country. He loved baseball. He loved uh, being a part of this club. And um, just my my heart breaks for everything that has happened there. And, again, we're keeping his family in our thoughts and prayers. want to thank all of you guys for tuning into this show and for keeping up with us on Twitter. I've been posting a lot at Trent Rush Sports about everything going on with the Angels down uh, at the winter meetings. I'm going to continue to do that. Again, one of the great parts about this job is having the connections and having the relationships with people in our front office and having an understanding of everything uh, that is going on in this organization. And I'm going to try to share that as best I can with you guys, keep you as up-to-date as humanly possible. I'm really excited about the future for Angels baseball and the direction this organization is going in. I I was encouraged before I went to Las Vegas. I'm really encouraged about it now. I saw some things and I learned some things about this group and talked to other people across baseball that is instilling a ton of confidence in Billy Epler and what this front office is doing and in Brad Osmus as well. I got a lot of
of faith in what lies in store for this Angels team. And our next show is going to be next Thursday at 8 o'clock. Or if you missed any part of this show, want to check it out again, 10 a.m. on Sunday is the re-air. Also, check out our podcast, angels.com slash podcast. Have a great rest of your night, and we'll talk to you next week here on the home of Angels Baseball, Angels Radio, AM 830. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.